0: Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 260. Fire.
1: Fire. 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 Your daily dose of inspiration, encouragement, and energy from the most successful entrepreneurs in the world.
0: Prepare to ignite now. This is Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas.
1: Entrepreneur on Fire. Entrepreneur on Fire.
0: Ciao, Fire Nation. Did you know that when you choose LegalZoom, you'll be among three dozen companies on the Inc. 500 list who got their start through LegalZoom too? Visit LegalZoom.com to find the services right for you and enter Fire in the referral box at checkout. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Travis Ketchum. Travis, are you prepared to ignite you bet All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, travis is the founder of contest domination a powerful contest platform that anyone can use born an entrepreneur travis loves creating software solutions for complex problems with smart and efficient teams to make sophisticated marketing approachable for the masses given fire nation just a little overview travis but take a minute tell us about you personally we want to get to know you and then tell us about your business
1: Sure. So, you know, like most entrepreneurs on fire, uh, I'm sure, you know, I started early, right? You know, as a kid, I was always the one, you know, hustling car washes and, you know, reselling soda from the grocery store down on the ferry line on a hot day. You know, pretty much anything that they would make a buck. Um, You know, I started my first official business in high school, which was actually drop shipping laptops on eBay, like a couple hundred a day. Um, You know, went through. you know, completed my college degree, took a six month break, got a real job. Lasted about nine months, kind of hated it, (laughs) right? And then just jumped out there and started working with, you know, bigger clients, best selling authors, that kind of stuff. And then eventually I kind of saw this, you know, gap in my own business where I needed to get more leads. And I knew that one of the best ways to do that was contests. And when I looked at all the other contest solutions out there, no one had this very explicit focus on generating more qualified leads. I felt that a lot of them were missing, kind of missing the boat in terms of doing a contest for contest's sake, not doing it with the sole intent of getting more qualified leads. And so I, you know, hired a developer and made a, a simple WordPress plugin a, a little over a year ago. And then when that did surprisingly well, we doubled down and made it the big, robust software as a service. And so that's kind of and a quick <laughs> nugget brings us to where we are today.
0: SaaS, software as a service. I love it. And we are definitely going to dive more into contest domination and everything about that. But before we move on, what was that job you had for nine months that was just drowning you?
1: <laughs> I was an account manager um, for, you know, which just basically means renewal sales uh, for a company here in Seattle that sold digital curriculum to high schools. And the The function of the job wasn't what was killing me, and it wasn't even actually what the company was trying to accomplish. I actually really believed in it because uh, they were helping, you know, remediate kids that were behind, or help kids that were, you know, in middle school, et cetera, that were accelerated get their hands on better content. And the the big pain point for me was when I had the kind of aha moment in that job, which was that being innovative and creative for the best ways to maximize revenue per, you know, existing customer and, and growing a relationship in a way that was more effective than the way they were doing it was not rewarded. In fact, it was actually punished. And, you know, as most entrepreneurs, all we want to do is get to our end result. Right. And we want to take the shortest path to get there. And, you know, when I tried doing that, I actually earned less money, even though I had better results And that just didn't sit well with me, so...
0: I can imagine, Travis. I mean, you launched out of there in nine months, and I'm sure you never looked back.
1: No, no. I mean, it... uh yeah, at the time I you know, I had just started dating my my now girlfriend. That was a couple of years ago, and I remember her dad being like, Well, what about your C V? What's it gonna look like? And I said, you know, <laughs> it's worth the risk.
0: <laughs> it's worth the risk. And look at you now. Well, Travis, we're gonna dive more into contest domination in a little bit, but we love starting entrepreneur on fire off with a success quote or a mantra to get that motivational ball rolling. So take it away.
1: Sure. So for me, ever since I was a kid, it's always kind of been this quote by Albert Einstein, which is, imagination is more important than knowledge. So you don't necessarily know, have to know how to do everything, but you have to be able to think outside of the box and not only about you know what you want to do, but how to inspire others to help you get there.
0: So let's start this interview off right, because we love hearing stories, not abstract theories. So how have you actually applied this mentality to your life?
1: Well, probably the biggest thing that has made the biggest impact on our business in the last few years was the fact that I'm not a coder, and I'm not a designer, and I started and operate a software company. And when I started, I didn't have a lot of money, and so I had to really inspire the right talent to take a chance on me. And as a result, I have actually probably one of the most seasoned uh, and proficient SaaS developers leading the charge with our current software. Wow. And I didn't have to stroke a huge check to make it happen. Uh, when we connected, I was able to inspire him to our vision and what we were trying to do. And We were able to work out a deal that made us both happy and we just really lucked out because we would not be anywhere close to where we are now and I never had the knowledge. right? I, I haven't touched a single line of code on the new stuff at all. And so just really having that ability to kind of imagine a better world or a better way of doing something can really inspire someone who has the knowledge that you don't.
0: That is inspiring, Travis. And let's use this inspiration to move into our next topic, because we're going to need it, because our next topic is (laughs) failure. We love talking about the journey here at Entrepreneur on Fire, and we all know that no journey is a straight trajectory to success. There are some serious bumps along the way. So share with us one of those bumps, Travis, and how'd you overcome that?
1: Sure. Well, my success squiggly line (laughs) included (laughs) all kinds of stuff. Um, You know, between the business that I started in high school and now, there was a number of things I tried, you know, pretty small scale, but it's still kind of disheartening to come off a a good solid success, right? Because when I was in high school, it did very well, like shockingly well for an 18 year old. Um, And then to have a couple of failures in a row was kind of disheartening for the whole entrepreneurship journey. And so the first one was I had this idea of, kind of ad sponsored t-shirts. Okay. And uh I was looking around, you know, cuz I was in the Greek system for a while and and looking at just kind of the college environment, everyone had shirts. And I thought, "Well, why is everyone always trying to sell shirts when there's so many local businesses that are like clobbering over each other to advertise and get in front of the eyes of the students, be top of mind?" And so I actually went around and sold ad space on shirts for like Dad's Weekend and some of the bigger events and uh just never really seemed to be able to turn it into a, f- a full-blown kind of profitable venture probably because I was too busy chasing girls but um <laughs> but you know I had this idea of trying to you know basically make it where they would buy ad space on the shirt and I could give the shirts away and it'd be profitable right so you sell more ad space than the cost of the shirts so that was one
0: right i mean i can imagine just a, an issue that pops up in my mind there is just people not really being super excited about wearing shirts with ads all over them even if they're free
1: yeah well yeah, I mean, people, are, you know, in, in at least the college community I was in, people would do almost anything for a free shirt. Uh, <laughs> the, the problem really just came with uh, actually learning how to get the, the consistent commitment from the advertisers. Um, that it. was really the challenge. But the, the one that, that was I was most excited about that, that failed, not necessarily because it was trying to accomplish something that was broken. It was just uh, I tried to change consumer behavior to make it work. Mm. and the idea, it was called My Big Give, and I actually bought the domain from a guy who was on Oprah's Big Give, which is a funny side story, but essentially the idea was it was going to leverage affiliate marketing, and the next time you wanted to buy, uh, you know, something off Amazon or Best Buy or whatever, you would come to My Big Give first, pick the charity you wanted to support, pick where you wanted to shop, it'd run it through an affiliate link, and we would give, you know, 70% of the commission to the charity you picked right and you know we did things and we learned iteratively how to do some different things some refer friend programs etc and things that got our user base up to a certain level of a couple thousand people but we noticed that it was really hard to break beyond that ceiling because the only people that were signing up were like the raving fans and we couldn't find a way to get outside of the raving fan circle and secondly when someone wants to buy something, their intent is not to go to my big give first. <laughs> their intent is what they want to buy. And so they just go right to Amazon, even though they know it won't cost them any more for a couple extra clicks. It's just not in their behavior. And so that was kind of my first big disheartening blow.
0: It's kind of a valuable lesson to learn, though, going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, in, any problem I hear from you know friends and colleagues in the space that, as soon as I hear it, any component that's, well, people have to just kind of learn how to do something different, unless it's actually more convenient, like an Uber or something that actually is more convenient. Convenient to change and your cooler. Yeah. If, if it, unless it's more convenient, people won't do it. for the
0: most part. Totally get it. We're always looking to maximize the efficiency of our lives. And one thing I don't want to walk away from, because I'm just really interested in it. And I know that a lot of listeners are interested because I get emails about this topic every now and then. And that's about buying a website and the process of that. So can you share with us that story? Get really specific. I want to hear about your process of buying that website, numbers, everything that was involved, and then how that worked out.
1: Sure. So the only thing I bought was the domain. Um, but it was, you know, on the second market. It wasn't just like I went to GoDaddy and it was available. Um and luckily So what was is, your
0: step though? So you went to actually probably search GoDaddy first for it. Saw it was exactly. Yes,
1: yeah, so I went to GoDaddy and I typed in my big you know, all these different ideas of giving big. And I thought, hmm, mybiggive.com, right? It's personal, it's about you know, me as the consumer. Right. Um, it's about giving back. It fit everything I wanted. Um, and it was one of the few that was kind of in the running is the best. And I you can hit the who is information to see who owns it. Right. Um, and in this case, it was public. But even if it's private, it'll you know, be some proxy thing. And If you email it, the, the end user typically still gets it, uh, who owns it. And then I just said, hey, I'm doing a college project, which wasn't lying. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to do this thing. I think your domain would be perfect. I see you're not doing anything with it. Do you have any plans? And the guy said, "Hey, you know, I was on Oprah's Big Give. I had bought it at the time, thinking maybe I could do something with it. Not doing much with it, but I'll, I'm willing to part with it for three thousand dollars." And I wrote back. I said, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm a college student, a little strapped for cash. I can't afford three thousand, but I think I just still think it would be a perfect fit." And after a few emails back and forth, uh, he got it down to five hundred bucks. And so I just PayPal'd on five hundred bucks, and he transferred it over to my GoDaddy account, and we were good.
0: Wow. Well, that's a very interesting story. And so from that <laughs> point going forward, that domain was yours to do what with because he hadn't actually created anything on that website thus far. Yeah.
1: As soon as I saw that it was just a GoDaddy, you know, parked domain page, right. I knew that, hey, you know, they, they probably paid, you know, even if they bought it for, say, three years, they paid 30 bucks for this domain. That's that's their real cost, more, more than likely. Um, if it's privacy, maybe at most 50 for a couple right. of years. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't a quote premium domain. So I know they didn't pay two, 10, 20 grand for it. Um, and I knew that being in college and the fact that it was kind of a charitable project would help me in the negotiations totally. for getting that price down.
0: Well, all right, fire nation, you heard it. If you do have that lightning bolt of that perfect domain, you go check it out and it is not available. Don't give up there. Click that. Who is information. Do a couple emails, you never know. Negotiations could really get down there. I mean, he went from 3,000 to 500. So great intel, Travis. Thank you for sharing that. And let's just boil this down to one clear lesson that you learned from these failures that you've shared with us. Share that with Fire Nation.
1: Very simply, it's don't try to change consumer behavior. <laughs> that, that's really just the main walk away. Make someone's life easier and give them the result they want without actually changing their behavior.
0: And if you find yourself ever saying, they'll just have to learn it, you probably know you're not going down the right path.
1: Yeah, or if it is, it's going to be a very steep uphill battle.
0: So let's transition now, Travis. Let's continue on your journey because entrepreneurs, we fail, we have challenges, obstacles, but we also have light bulb moments, this aha moment where we pivot or we shift or we're inspired by something Share with us a time when you had one of these moments and what you did to turn it into success.
1: Sure. Well, probably the big thing for me uh, in the current business was moving from the WordPress plugin to the software as a service or SaaS. Um, the, The big aha moment was when I saw, you know, lots of people were buying the plugin, they were loving the plugin, but there was two kind of flaws that a SaaS was the perfect solution for the first flaw was in the terms of the customer experience. You know, by giving someone distributed software, you really can't control all the variables of what they do with the software, right? Cause they've installed into their website. Maybe their web host is slow. Um, in some cases they have way too many plugins installed, right? And so you can run into all these conflicts and it was really difficult to give someone this like amazing stitched up experience that we wanted to, um, you know, that you can only really do when you control the environment from top to bottom, which is software as a service. And the second piece was, is for us to continue to innovate and to continue bringing powerful features and things to people that really made a material impact on their business. We had to have stability in our revenue beyond just constantly chasing new business. Because um, you know, I've heard, I've heard someone explain this very, very, you know, um, very, very well before about WordPress plugins, which is it's kind of like a pyramid scheme in the sense that what you're really selling is service. And for in order for you to be able to afford the service for the current customers, you have to sell to more customers. Mm. And then to serve those customers, you have to sell to more customers. And you end up with this wide audience and in the traditional sense of the way people sell software for a one-time fee and provide support, you end up having to sell to more and more and more people and it's this kind of never-ending cycle and you never really get ahead of it. Whereas, whereas software-as-a-service, not only can we provide a better experience, better features, etc., but because our costs are very correlated, you know, our expenditures are very correlated to our paying customer base, we can provide a different level of service, a different level of connect, you know, connection with that customer to help them be as successful as possible.
0: So Travis, once you had this aha moment and you realized you needed to go forward from this plugin, what specific steps did you take to make this a reality?
1: When I was able to pick the best developer I could afford plus some my experience went way better. So I knew as soon as I wanted to shift to the software as a service, the most important thing I had to do was to find the best talent I could.
0: And talk to us about that process. Where'd you go and how'd you find him?
1: Sure, so initially I talked to People who I had done business with before that I knew had some development skills either themselves yeah. or in their organization, and I and I said, "Hey, I'm I'm looking to really up our level. I'm willing to partner. I'm willing to. I, I, I'm very flexible in ways to make this happen. What's most important to me is that I find the right developer that can do this idea justice and help us bring it to the market in a big way. We've got some existing momentum. We have some some chips on the table that made it more than just a cold start, right? Because we had the, the success of the plugin.
0: It was a proven concept. It
1: was a proven concept. Consumers had voted with their wallets. They liked the idea. And we felt like we could take it to the next level. But kind of serendipitously, the person that I ended up partnering with was actually one of our first customers. Oh. Um, and he was actually living across the country. He was living in Louisville at the time. And he sent me an email and he said, Hey, Um, I bought your first plugin. He bought it before we did our first bug updates and everything. And he's like, by the way, here's some free fixes I did on the plugin that you built before. Um, I'm coming out to the Seattle area, which is where I live, uh, in a couple of weeks, looking at potentially moving back. Uh, I'm looking at houses out there. I'd love to meet up. And his main motivation at the time was he had a different kind of hosted platform he was building. And he had lots of experience building it in the past. And he wanted to kind of leverage our brand. And so he had a different idea of how he wanted to have us involved. Um, And then once I kind of positioned, hey, we could really take this other tack, which is the way I wanted to go with it, he kind of saw, ah, okay, this is a little bit better than what he was.
0: Mm, You caused his aha moment as well.
1: Exactly. And so (laughs) I found someone with the right talent who wanted to talk to us for different reasons. But by having that conversation about, you know, where can it go as a platform? Where can, where's the industry headed? Where are they voting? Where is momentum directed towards? Uh, it's kind of funny that it was like customer number six, right? right. Keep in mind we had about 10,000 <laughs> customers at this right. point. But like customer number six, who was one of our early adopters, one of our biggest champions, ended up being the person out of all the different conversations of my existing network, ended up actually being a new person that was a customer. Who ended up being our best business partner? Wow!
0: So, Travis, again, let's pull out one clear lesson from this entire starting process of moving from a plugin to a SaaS. This aha moment that you had. What's one clear lesson that you learned from this?
1: Don't discount people who are trying to reach out to you. Be clear about their intent. But the big aha moment for me was you never know who the next biggest asset for your business, and not not in a sense of using them, but. What's your biggest asset maybe hidden somewhere in your current business? You just haven't surfaced it yet.
0: So, Travis, let's go to present time now. You made this successful transition from a plugin to a SaaS. Things are going great. Share with Fire Nation one thing that's just really exciting you right now.
1: Sure. So, one thing that's a little different about us, I guess, than other companies is the fact that we ship code really, really often. Um, We ship... Some form of an update, usually every 24 to 48 hours, wow. and uh, accumulatively, it makes an impactful, material, impactful difference on the user experience and the feature set every 10 to 14 days, right? Because it's so iterative. And what's exciting about that is it gets this snowball kind of momentum effect, right? We don't, we we hate the idea after now past experience of trying to take big bites out of things and working on them for a long time, then deploying them. Because a lot of times it ends up being the feature that no one cares about. So by doing iterative stuff, we can learn in real time with our customers about what they like and what they hate.
0: It's that Eric Reese lean startup method where instead of just behind the scenes building something, building something, and then launching it and having your customers kind of scratch their heads being like, well, this is good, but what about this and that? And you're like, well, I spent like four months doing this and that. That's really too bad. But by just doing small iterative releases and getting constant feedback, you're always moving in the right direction. I love that.
1: Totally. So what's exciting me about that process is it's really helped us morph into, you know, the idea of this blue ocean, right? Of of, of finding a thing, a hook, It has a specific kind of customer that we think we can really serve well with a mixture of software and courses. Mm. So they're telling us their pain points both in terms of what they need from software but also what they need in terms of training. So we can couple some free training with what we do but that also lends our position to go out and find the people who make the best training in these different kinds of niches and kind of tailor make some software for their niche and say, Hey, our audience needs this. We think your audience does too. We can make this great software. You can sell the premium training. And so it's, it's this kind of like, you know, sandwich relationship with people who are influencers in the space to get like the best solution, which is the twofold part of software and training. And by being so iterative, we can pick up those cues faster than most and then kind of deploy them as we need.
0: Totally. And tell me if I'm wrong, but one other benefit I see to this is that your customers are continuously seeing that you are there. You're behind them. You're you're working on it behind the scenes all the time, releasing new updates and improving it, not just kind of like leaving it alone for months on end with not a peep. And then all of a sudden, every now and then out of nowhere, this big release. And that would make me as a consumer feel pretty excited about the fact that, hey, this is staying cutting edge.
1: Absolutely. And, and in fact, it's kind of funny because when we our success with the plugin, a lot of that customer base was actually kind of an internet marketing niche, which no one really likes to talk about, but it's there. Um, and they are a subset of our, you know, total current customer base. And they're so used to kind of being abused by product producer, you know, product vendors that kind of launch something and then walk away from it never really support it, never really update it, that for them to be in our environment where we're just constantly pushing release after release after release and fixing and tweaking and, and adding things that make an impactful difference on their business, it's like night and day. And they go from you know, total jaded skeptics to raving fans and can't wait to tell everyone and their mom <laughs> about what we're doing. And they're really excited to be on board kind of a platform that's moving up and to the right.
0: So Travis, what's your vision for the future?
1: My vision for the future, uh, we, get, we often get copied, so hopefully this doesn't tip off too many of our competitors, <laughs> but our vision for the future is really that there's this big opportunity to kind of be a no-brainer system in a box for businesses that sits between where their customers are and where their lead nurturing and database lives, right? There's, there's a lot of kind of magical ways that you can bring those prospects into the fold, without being forceful, without being slimy, and without having to have intense development chops. So instead, we can kind of take this 10,000-foot view of what's working in different niches and different marketing approaches and why, and apply it into a simplistic piece of software that any normal business owner, in a matter of minutes, not hours, weeks, months, years, can deploy an effective marketing strategy that brings those prospects from where the conversation is happening, you know, on Facebook or Twitter or Google plus or whatever makes sense for their business and bring that conversation into a more personal relationship on their email list.
0: Boom. Well said, Travis, that is an exciting vision for the future. I promise not to release this to anybody who's thinking <laughs> about doing that just to my other <laughs> sector of the audience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks.
0: So fire nation, we're going to quickly thank our sponsor LegalZoom the go-to provider of affordable legal protection. Don't be mistaken. Whether you're getting ready to start your business, protect your family, or safeguard your assets, LegalZoom has a service that can help. LegalZoom offers award-winning services developed by the best legal minds in the country. And the great thing about LegalZoom is that every business or family who engages with them gets personalized attention from start to finish. That's why over 90% of LegalZoom customers would recommend the service to their family. LegalZoom is not a law firm and provides self-help services at your specific direction, but there's so much more. Now, every LLC and incorporation package includes easy-to-use business accounting software, a $269 value for free. Be sure to enter FIRE in the referral box at checkout. Start your business, protect your family, and safeguard your assets at LegalZoom.com today. Referral code FIRE. So Travis, we've now reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round, and this is where I provide you with a series of questions, and you come back at us, FIRE Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Sure. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: Just the risk of failing again. I think that was the biggest thing. And once I got over that fear of failing again, (laughs) uh, it was very much a no-brainer.
0: What is the best advice you've ever received?
1: Just ship it. Once you have the minimal viable product, ship it, get feedback, and iterate. Because if you wait too long, you're building a product that might solve a problem nobody cares about.
0: (laughs) What's something that's working for you right now, Travis?
1: content marketing the idea of inbound marketing is killing it for us right now giving people great case studies great information that that is proven to work and naturally it d- draws them like uh, you know flies to a light or <laughs> 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 you know bugs at night to a light right. uh, they just can't get enough of it and so that is just really working out well for us for getting new customers
0: awesome and what's a technique that you've used specifically for that inbound marketing
1: case studies case studies case studies because no one cares about what I have to say, really. They care about what our customers are doing.
0: Right, Travis, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners?
1: I'm not sure I'm in love with it, but it's highly useful until I can find a better replacement. But Sketch, because I have no design skills and I have no programming skills. And so trying to explain about what line of code is going wrong or where there's a little rough patch in the design... Being able to just snap a screenshot and put a big red arrow to it and sending it to the designers is crucial to the way I do business.
0: Well, I'll make you fall in love. Snag it.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: Boom. So Fire Nation, you can find links to this resource and everything else in today's episode by going to entrepreneuronfire.com slash Travis Ketchum. Travis, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be?
1: Well, the thing that helps people be inspired and understand you know, the unique selling proposition and all of that kind of stuff is actually probably Lynchpin by seth godin and, and while that's mainly focused towards being exceptional in a job i think in a lot of ways it lends itself to being exceptional as an entrepreneur
0: Lynchpin. well fire nation you love audio and if you want the audio version of this book for free go to eofirebook.com it's a gift from audible for entrepreneur on fire listeners eofirebook.com So Travis, this next question is my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days?
1: Well, I think the biggest opportunity here is mainly one b- that exists because it's very hard to saturate, and so, if I only had five hundred dollars and a laptop, what I would probably do is i would I would go online and I would find businesses that are just really struggling in kind of the core concepts of marketing right because if you know one more thing than they do, you're an expert yeah and I would find people that are really tripping up you know running Facebook contests incorrectly or doing something that is you know blatantly against the terms of service and come up with a nice, tidy solution for them that only cost them a couple hundred bucks. And I would just start knocking on doors and making phone calls and selling them on service. And then I would spend that $500 as a subscription for some platform, right? Well, assuming it's not mine. Uh, for some platform to help me facilitate, whether it's any kind of lead capture, contest, webinar, any kind of value-driven, lead-oriented campaign that I know businesses would be willing to pay for.
0: Well, Travis, that was incredibly actionable advice. And I have really enjoyed learning about your journey, hearing your story. And thank you for sharing it with Fire Nation. Give us one parting piece of guidance, share how we can find you, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: Sure. So my my parting piece of guidance would be don't wait for the perfect moment to jump out and do what you want to do. If you want to be an entrepreneur, it's in your blood. Just take some risk and get out there and start making something. And for those who want to get in touch with me, um, you know, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, it's all just slash Travis Ketchum. Or they can email me, Travis at contestdomination.com.
0: Travis, Fire Nation is well aware they can find the links to everything of value that we've talked about today. Entrepreneuronfire.com slash Travis Ketchum. Thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and your experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. And now let's give it up for our five-star reviews. GJT Jr. 3, Rev Parts, Clara B, free 2 J, 66 Betsy Talbot, Awesome Montana, Disc Rock, Beach Bum Harry, Evan Hale, Seacon9, and Frank Gustafin. Thank you so much for supporting Entrepreneur on Fire, and I look forward to thanking everyone who does the same. Fire Nation, have you seen the video I just created on firenationelite.com yet? If not, I think you're gonna wanna see this. In this video, I talked about my passion for the new elite mastermind community we're creating, Fire Nation Elite. I'd love for you to visit the site and check out the video to learn more about Fire Nation Elite. Then, if you're interested, fill out an application and schedule your one-on-one 15-minute chat with me today. That's FireNationElite.com. Thank you for joining us at
1: EntrepreneurOnFire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.